Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast. Your podcast of returning to a place dark and mysterious where icy fingers of death reach out to you and you get battered about it at a moment's whim where mercy is not something that comes easily. We're going to the depths of the ocean. As you see before you, the Kraken travels under the ocean and eats ships that come close to it. Yes. We have and a really so- important choice here. Do we want to break out into some old Bobby Darren or something from Disney? Under the sea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, please not. No. Dun, 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 no. Dun, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> I'd rather you do the music from the black hole. That's much more gravitas. But anyways, welcome to the Tri-Tag Games podcast. This week we are doing, uh, we're talking about Bureau 13, and we are talking about underwater and undersea adventures. Uh, We're going to concentrate primarily on undersea adventures, but we don't want to ignore the ones that could actually take place underwater. uh, As as far as like the Great Lakes or some of the the deep water craters or, you know, other places, even some of the rivers uh, uh, may have a a lot of underwater type activity. For example, Pittsburgh uh, is known to have layers um, of underwater passages underneath the floor of the Ohio River. So who knows what could be going on down there or remains of what could be down there. Anyways, but we're talking about Bureau 13 Adventures. And this was suggested by John. It's something that doesn't normally happen in most uh, Bureau 13 campaigns. Uh, they're mostly about, hey, you know, there's a monster, you know, uh, creeping around, you know, in, in a, in a uh, you know, summer camp and you guys need to go out there and put the kibosh on it before anyone realizes that it's actually, you know, a, a, a Yeti with a really bad, you know, hair loss problem. So, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, no, we're talking about trying to get as deeply mythological and as scary and, you know, trying to bring in some real horror because underwater is a very scary place. And even when it's nice, even when you're in Bahamas, it's still a very scary place because it's not a place that man is designed to survive in. And we have to go through a lot of effort to survive there. But first, let's talk about, you know, what things would generate a Bureau 13 adventure. Uh, Trav? I would say the biggest thing that you could use to generate a B-13 adventure 
would be cryptids, cryptozoological creatures. Now, we all know plenty of them. We know Nessie. We know Champy, which would be the version of Nessie in Lake Champlain in upstate New York. Well, those are the two biggest examples that agents are called upon to deal with some creature from a body of water that is somehow affecting the outside world. And, of course, we want to make sure that it stops doing that. <laughs> that that would be my first, as a Bureau 13 GM, that would be my first thing to use as an idea to bring about an underwater-based adventure. Right, and why would you go underwater with such a creature? Why not just wait until it comes up onto the shore and shoot it in the head with a bazooka? I would say probably to get it out of the way as soon as possible because you don't know when it's going to come up above the water. You know it's always going to be below the water. So there are some times that, yeah, even though it has the home court advantage, Bureau 13 has enough things between magic and technology to, what's the term I like using, level the playing field. Well, you also want to make sure that the least number of people see it. Because you're trying to maintain the secret that the supernatural doesn't exist. So if you wait until it comes up and starts feeding off of the boardwalk, it's going to be a little bit harder, especially in modern day with all those cameras. You know, they take a picture and they upload it to Facebook. Kind of hard to stop, you know, to get rid of that. That takes a lot of hacking. Yeah. But if you catch something like that early enough. Sure. Uh, yeah. So what? So what kind of things, Josie? Do you think would you find as a as a cryptozoic uh, creature? Besides the obviously the two that Trav mentioned. The obvious. Besides the obvious. Yeah. The obvious two. Yeah. What other ones would there be? Could there be? Let, let, let's face it. The Kraken's a giant squid. I mean, the, yeah. You're. That's going to be definitely a a a saltwater adventure. Something on the east or west coast. I really don't think, like, the Kraken, you'd be finding it in, like, you know, Lake Superior. It wouldn't be, no. Yeah, as far as I know, well, it's Bureau 13. There might end up being such a thing as freshwater squid. After all, all stories are true. Um, and and after all, there are all those stories of sharks ending up in freshwater anyway. Why not? Yeah, yeah, so it wouldn't be that much of a stretch, actually, I would think. That's a good point. Um, yeah, actual stories of sharks ending up in freshwater. Yeah. So. Well, I like this one, too. I mean, there are freshwater... There actually are freshwater sharks down in South 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 America. I think Lake, Lake Titicaca has, a, uh, has a, a species living there. How they got there? I wouldn't know. I mean, if you're talking sharks, I mean, if you're talking cryptozoic sharks, hey, Josie, what about a megalodon? The giant shark that makes yeah. a great white look like a um, a puppy dog, a guppy. Yeah. Oh no, I oh, oh I, no. I remember hearing uh, about the megalodon. That kind of thing. Oh, that. Yeah. No, no, no. That that. Okay, one of the biggest things that we really don't know much about the ah, uh, what's that trench? Mariana's trench. That one. Yeah. We don't know much about it at all because it's down too far. Yeah, I'm not sure the exact depth, but yeah, there may be stuff down like, there surviving down, in that pressure. I think five or six miles. Yeah. Yeah, five miles, yeah. 
and it's their the deepest point in the ocean. Yeah, there may be things down there because I don't think our modern science can go down that far. We just can't build something no, to withstand those pressures. But when you add uh, when you add the other capabilities of Bureau Thirteen, magic and high magic tech, magic and high tech, and everything involved in that, they might be able to get down there. Okay, so what what kind of cryptological creatures would you want to put in your Bureau Thirteen adventure? That would be in the Marianas Trench, for example. Hmm. Let's see. Something that would be in that that deep of a usually Marianas Trench. The only thing I've ever seen from depths like that are just like weird, big-eyed fish. You know, like eyes the size of like a soft. <laughs> yeah, but but Trav, this is Bureau Thirteen. Okay, we're not limited by what somebody we're has not limited seen. Limited by what's out there already. Yeah. So. I mean, something's coming up out of the Marianas Trench. What could it be, Josie? I mean, what cryptological creature could it be? You would think the Kraken, you said? I would think it could be more likely that the Kraken would come out of there. Something of that Something of ilk. that Yeah. Ilk, that nature and that big. Yeah, okay. Or the Megalodon. It was a Megalodon. Megalodon, yeah, you said it right. Megalodon yeah. that you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. It would, uh, it would certainly explain why it survived this long. Yeah, because it was down there and nothing, you know, it would be eating those weird fish. It and, would be eating the weird fish. And let's face it, it would be, the what, what's the term I'm looking for? Apex predator? Oh, yeah. It's not like there's anything going to go down there and go after it. No. No. Uh, John, you have to have a, a knowledge of just how big Megalodon's got? Um, I do remember seeing a picture of its jaws, which is the only thing that really survives, and it was wide enough for six guys to stand abreast in it. Oh, heck no. Oh, no, no, no. That's its mouth? That's its yes. mouth. Oh, good night, Irene. Okay, that's... That goes straight to the note folder. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this, this, this why it's great to be the GM when you, when you bring that puppy out. Uh, but you know, really, uh, because it not give me ideas. Yeah, but Josie, because it's underwater, okay, and doesn't have to support its own weight, uh, it actually has no real limit to the size it could be. I mean, it could be that that could be like a small one they found. I mean, it could be even larger. It could, you know, literally, you could have, you know, a, a cryptological creature that's a mile long if you wanted to. There's nothing to keep that from happening. However, the only big issue, if you actually want to talk real science, okay, and that is that nerves, okay, there, there was, it was thought that in some of the larger dinosaurs that there were actually like small minor brains, like at the, at the base of the spine and, you know, other places to, to basically coordinate some of the activities that happened because it took so long for control impulses from the brain to get down to those areas. So if you had a creature that was a mile long, then literally you could be whopping on one end of it, and it might be a minute before the other end said, wait a second, <laughs> something's happening back there. I'm, I'm, I'm joking about a minute, but still it would be a, a, a very slow thing. But if you're that big, you know, then it probably would be okay anyways. 
probably the 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 part of the of the creature that's doing the feeding is going to be the part closer to the brain, well, and yeah. therefore it wouldn't have any trouble eating you. And if it was a mile long and everything was you know was proportionally larger, then uh, yeah, you know you'd have things that could literally eat ships. Yeah, and oh, it could go up to the, it could go up to the surface and it could go back down to the depths and nobody would ever know what happened except you. The GM, who's now sending your Bureau 13 out, right? Yeah, Josie brought up a good thing, a uh, good right. example. Kaiju, like Pacific Rim. Yeah, yeah, Kaiju. Yeah, well, Kaiju covers a whole... Some of those came out of the water. Admittedly, there was a hole to another dimension, so... Right. But again, we don't know what could be down there. Yeah, Kaiju, right. for those of you who don't know, Godzilla, basically, Rodan, you know, those type of big, huge monsters. They're, I mean, I'm sure it's a relatively new term, so there might be some of our listeners who might not have heard of the term Kaiju, basically Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. This is the most well-known one. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah, King Kong, I guess, would be considered... I always thought that Kaiju had to be of a reptilian nature. No, just giant creatures, basically. So, no, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the, the various bird-like, you know, creatures were considered that. And that was before people started saying things like, well, birds are just evolved dinosaurs. So, you know, it's... It's, it's just really has to refer to those gigantic monsters that they have in those Japanese films. Again, Mothra. Yeah, Mothra is yeah, another one. Yeah, that's definitely not a lizard of any kind. It's not a lizard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm just trying to remember. I'm sorry. I was just trying to You were talking about other cryptozoic. There's also the various co- colonial critters out there. And I'm not, not talking like um, Portuguese man of war. So I'm talking something along the line of a, uh, what's it called again? It's, I think it's the, here we go. I'm looking it up. Uh, where is there? It is the pyrosomes, which can get up to a hundred feet in size. Now they're not too dangerous because they're filter feeders. Oh, a, a pyrosome is this sea. Is this jelly-like crit- critter that lives in the, in the sea? It really can only exist in the sea because it's mostly water itself. Whoa, 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 whoa! Are you like talking about those clear, wormy-looking things? Oh, yes. Oh, hell no. Oh, you're one hell up on me. No. I never heard of them. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Yet this, all right? The only reason I have heard of what these things are was because there was a picture of one of them and a comparison to the Water Temple boss from Ocarina of Time. Okay, so that's how you that's learned the, of the... What, what is it, John? I, Pyrosomes. Pyrosomes. Okay, that's a that's new one. That's how yeah. I learned about that was because they basically compared it to that, and I was like, oh, hell no. I'm done. Drop the controller, you walk away from the game for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But these things can get, you know, like I said, they're filter feeders for the most part, but hey, you know, nothing stops one from being a predator looking for prey and sucking it in and slowly digesting you over over a month or so. So it's kind of like a water... Water starlight! Yeah, <laughs> she my sentence for me. All right. And keep in mind, guys, that a cryptozoic creature 
it kind of means something that was, you know, alive is is considered normally alive millions of years ago, but still around. But it also kind, you know, it, the 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 kind of general usage of it, it could also be something that might be an ancient creature that's not necessarily from our world. So, for example, if you're familiar with uh, Hardwire Hinterland, and all of a sudden a bunch of carna squid and carna whales showed up. Oh yeah. You got, you know, all the uh, crypt means is hidden, hidden away, you know. So uh, uh, you could, uh, everyone's saying, oh, yeah, you know, killer whales, they're, they're actually good creatures. They're like big giant dolphins. And then something like a carnivore whale surfaces and crushes your ship. Or something comes, you know, or the, the arms come snaking out of the water, a la boy, uh, um, uh, 2,000 leagues under the sea. That that's th- those are considered normal apex predators uh, in that particular game, and if one of those got transported to Earth for some reason, or a bunch of them got transported to Earth, then you'd have a you'd have a uh, something you need to deal with li- literally deal with it before they breed. Calling them dinosaurs is kind of incorrect because they are actually reptiles. But uh, th- if you want one to get you get you going, is Leoplorodon. You remember him from the movie of J- Jurassic World? The guy who goes up and eats sharks the, the, the in one bite? they had in the water? Was that the one they had in, like, the big tank that jumped yes. up out of the air? And In the trailer? Because I didn't see the movie. Well, I did. They had it jump out. It, it, it would jump up and eat the huge thing of food. I just thought that that was a plesiosaur. Trev, Tra- I can't admit, I, I, I'm so surprised you didn't do that. You have totally missed the money shot of the entire movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leoplorodon was like an, that, that, it would eat Megalodon for lunch. It has a bigger mouth than Megalodon did. Are we just trying to one-up creatures now? It's like, yeah, there's this one that did this. Oh, then there, there's this. Well, they always say there's always a bigger fish in the sea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But the point is that you can also have a real ecology going on amongst these things. You keep talking about each one as an apex, as this is the apex predator. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe there's something bigger, maybe there's something smaller. You know, the real question comes down to, is there enough of a food source for these things to to be able to survive effectively? And then, of course, you know, the, the Bureau 13 GM has to come up with why is this suddenly appearing? Why did we not know about them before? You know, and that may lead to even bigger things than that. You know, so the, the, the four things that I listed here under cryptozoic creatures were dinosaurs, which, you know, we, which are, there are very many aquatic dinosaurs. There, there are small ones, big ones, you know, really big ones. There's megafauna, which kind of covers everything that isn't a dinosaur uh, that's kind of a vertebrae. But there's also ferocious invertebrae, you know, the uh, carna squid. Uh, there are some worms that I have seen that they're not necessarily, you know, gigantic, but they're ferocious, you know, uh, where they could be in the ocean floor and you could be swimming over them. And these things literally come up and snag you and just gulp you and drag you back under. You know, Are like these a, the ones that live in like the giant clay tubes and they'll just snake out of those tubes? They could be. Okay, okay. I think I've heard of those. If yeah. you saw the movie King Kong, the remake, not the second remake, I should say, uh, the one that was done by Peter Jackson. Yeah, I saw it. 
there was some serious stuff done with worms that really could give you some nightmares. Giant clams. Uh, some of those things can actually move. You know, you think of them as being sensile. They just sit there. But some of those could actually, you know, move around and kind of set themselves up as lures. I mean, it depends on on how crafty you want to make your your uh, uh, critters, you know, whether it's just animal craftiness or whether they're actually intelligent or whether you want to give them a mass mind so they operate a certain way or, you know, any, or any other magical effect that you might want to throw into it. You know, these creatures could easily be the focus of your adventure. Yeah, if you don't want to be at sea for large cryptozoics, you could always encounter the giant leeches, you know, the size of a man. (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. Do not like leeches. Nope. I've always been much more afraid of swarms of leeches. Yeah, wow. there's. You can always stop one. It's when they come at you by the hundreds that you're just like, okay, you know. Can't All right, please. Yeah. But you know, most of the time when people think about underwater adventures, okay, what they really think about is exploring shipwrecks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you know, and shipwrecks. Um, can be can cause all kinds of problems. They could be the source of all kinds of problems. Uh, for example, they could have some kind of a psychoactive chemical inside of it that affects all the creatures that are around it. You know, this uh, the the you know the fish, even you know people that are going there to explore it. They may suddenly start seeing all kinds of crazy visions. Uh, you know, I mean, some kind of uh, DSMO LSD that just starts baking into uh, any uh, divers or swimmers that go near the shipwreck, and all of a sudden they're seeing this thing talking to them or all kinds of terrible things. That's you know that could create the appearance of a supernatural encounter, which Bureau 13 a lot of times does go after when they think it's supernatural and it turns out to be a non-supernatural one, that could be a part of an investigation. But there's a lot of other things that also are associated with underwater shipwrecks. Well, ghosts, yeah, usually if it's a wrecked ship, let's just use the wreck of the Titanic. We'll just use that. Everybody knows what Titanic is. You know, Leo DiCaprio movie or not. Ghosts would be a big thing underwater. I mean, they don't need to breathe, so they could be just floating through, you know, the the wreckage of the ship. And because ghosts are usually linked to the place where they died, I mean, a Bureau 13 team could be going down and, okay, we're going to check out the Titanic. Yeah. You could have the guys with the violin still sitting there playing ethereally, you know, for the past, what, 80 years? 90? Oh, God. When, When did the Titanic sink? Like 1910. Oh, 100 years. Oh, okay. Century, yeah. Yeah, they're not doing anything. But they would just be, these ghosts would just be there with the cellos and, yeah. They may not be actively doing anything. Right, but they may have unfinished business, and when you show up, they latch on to you as the person who's supposed to finish their unfinished business so they can move on. They have a they have a deep psychological need for that to happen. Yeah, and they may not know how to ask, or they may not know how you know what they really want. And all of a sudden, you're being you know chased across you know uh, the sandy bottom by a whole bunch of people wearing dinner uh, dinner gowns and and tuxedos. So you're being scared while their pinkies are up. Gotcha. Okay, ghosts because they are tied to physically to the ship. 
the bits of the Titanic that have been brought to the surface may have brought along some hitchhikers. Oh, that's true. The Titanic has been salvaged over the past probably yeah. 20, 30 years. Yeah. There, there's, yeah. there's countless things about a ghost being physically tied to something. Right. Yeah. I mean, how many coins did they pull pull up? I mean, was who was it a Rockefeller who died down there? I forgot who who, who famous. Especially if that if what they're especially if what they're tied to actually belonged to that person. Oh yeah. Personal yeah. But they, yeah, but they also died. A lot of them died horribly. Drowning is is you know is a horrible way of a, a, a yeah. very violent way of dying. And so uh, the people that were in third, you know, in third class that were trapped below decks, yeah. I mean, there were hundreds of those people. They could, you know, there's some serious, you know, psychic angst that might need to be purged somehow from, you know, the before, you know, before you could raise that ship, because if you brought it up to the surface, then they could literally, you know, go anywhere, go everywhere and just, you know, bring a dark chapter into American history because of that. Oh, let's see. Um, magical artifacts. Okay, now, this could be one of two ways, magical artifacts. One, uh, let's say a ship like the Titanic had something on board that somebody was carrying across, and hey, it was just a treasure. It's a family heirloom. No, it actually did have magical power. Or it could be a government ship transport. Let's say... Um, and I'm blanking now. The farm, the British equivalent to Bureau 13. Let's say they're transporting a magical artifact by ship from the United Kingdom to the United States, and something happens to that ship. You got to go down and try to get it, and this magical artifact is starting to, how did they say in the Avengers, act up? <laughs> um, speaking of things acting up. Yeah. This could bring in the Bermuda Triangle. There could be something down there that's acting up. Yeah. Well, I think I down the mysterious places will. But yeah, you did. I looked at that list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll we'll bring it up down there. You're no, no. I'm I'm glad you brought it up because that's how my brain works. I know. I know. I know. You're in good company, Josie. All right. Let's assume that, you know, that you have some people that were explorers or, you know, they're seeking their fortune and they go across, they're about to go across the ocean, this great, vast, scary place. And they go to their shaman and they say, what can you give us to protect us? And he says, here, I will grant you this item, you know, and you can take it with you. And wherever you go, he says, it will protect you and that and everything that is yours. And so they get out in the ocean and the boat sinks. They go to the bottom. That item is with their remains. It's still there. You start, you find the shipwreck. You come in. He goes, ah, I got to protect this. You know, this, I got to protect the remains of my people. I got to protect the, you know, the ship that they were on. You're not coming over here. And things start happening. That, you know, those kind of protective talismans and wards can still be active hundreds, if not thousands of years later, you know, when people come across it. Yeah. Um, That could be even like, uh, oh, gosh, uh, 300 years ago, 400 years ago, when the 
when the slave trade was active, you had a lot of slaves from various countries, including Angola, which had the rich African tribal history, and there might have been a lot of artifacts such as that. That'd probably be the best example of what Bruce was just saying, where this ship's been down there now for 400 years. Because let's face it, a lot of slaves never made that voyage. They died, you know, ships got lost, bodies were thrown overboard, you know, just as like, we want to get these dead people out of the ship. So yeah, that could be something like that, where this could be something that they brought with them, worn as an amulet as they were getting shipped over. So yeah, that would be something where the magical artifact could come into play, something from that time period. Yeah. Oh, don't forget, it's the other direction too. A Spanish galleon full of Aztec gold, including a very large, uh, you know, solid gold altar. Oh yes, oh. or some of the spirit masks. Or some of the spirit masks, and they're sitting down there waiting for somebody to come along and say hi. Dude, right. that gives Montezuma's revenge a whole new clarity of meaning. Right, and yeah. if and if you really want to, <laughs> uh, if you really want to amp it up to eleven, okay, you can have a ship. This full of all of the artifacts that the Third Reich was collecting during the you know pre pre World War II and during World War II when the, it was falling you know when, when the Third Reich was falling they decided to relocate over to uh, Argentina they put all these things onto a boat and as it was crossing it 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 sinks. Oh, dude! Now the all old, those oh, all those super powerful magic items, cursed items, whatever you want to put on there, they're all down there, and someone's just found it. Oh yeah, the old fool society. For those of you who don't know, Adolf Hitler in real life was a fan of the supernatural, and Huge the fan. fool society. What? Huge fan. Yes, the fool society was that was their thing, and a staple in a lot of Bureau 13 adventures and also in another game. And I'm trying to, ah, blood and relics by RPG objects. The Thule society is a big, I mean, they went after things like the spirit Longinius and all that. I mean, so but that's what the Thule society did. And with what Bruce was talking about is like, Oh yeah. If they were moving, if they were trying to relocate to South America, they'd want to take all that stuff with them. They're not going to leave that behind in Germany. They're going to make sure that they have still a, uh, a power base of the supernatural in case they wanted to bring about the fourth Reich. So yeah, that would be something to find if you were having to go and deal with an underwater disturbance and find something like that. Yeah. And more than likely it was a submarine they used cause they were using submarines toward the end to sneak things around. Like, you know, their supply of uranium to Japan. Ah, uh, yes. The, the U-boats. Yes. Yeah, so it's more like it was a U-boat that was shelled and it's down there, you know, along with the, all the other sunken U-boats and U.S. submarines and stuff like that. So, yeah, but we'll talk about that later, uh, I think, at number eight. Uh, right. Let's see, we got intelligent marine life, uh, uplifted animals, mythological creatures, and next stage in evolution. Uplifted animals? Let's see, two things for that. One, all of the things that you have with pollution and radiation and whatnot causing that's, actually, that's actually mutated creatures resulting from bioactive waste well still up well okay uplifted then would be something that was uh um what's uh, like uh, like the movie deep blue sea they were intentionally trying to make them smarter yeah or or things like 
Papa loves Pa. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, uplifted, do- uplifted dolphins. Right. Yeah. Well, we, we always think of that, but it. I was wondering why nobody was going for the obvious there. Dolphins. Yeah. 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 And, and they would like to be around shipwrecks because, you know, the ocean floor in many regards is actually a pretty uh, sparse place. It, it, you know, it doesn't have a lot of great places for a, a kind of a colony you know, to to get around. But a ship, it's got all those nooks and crannies and doorways and passageways and things. It's it's really a treasure trove of locations for a, a, a an intelligent creature to move into. Because, you know, they want a place that they can defend themselves from, from oh, other yeah. creatures. So if these are intelligent creatures, it seemed to me like this would be a, something that they'd say, hey, you know, look, here's a, you know, here's a, a, a bunk, a table. I mean, maybe even there's electronics that they could somehow manage to get something happening with them. You know, it's a, an intelligent, uh, uh, uplifted animal. I would think you'd find them, you know, uh, in, near some kind of a shipwreck was why I put it on the list that way. Yeah. So, but, uh, and, and this could be a research vessel that was trying to create, was, was working with uplifted creatures that they, you know, that they had, were keeping quiet. Of course, there's a corporate secret and there's a, sh- there's a big storm, a hurricane blows in and it sinks. Or Here's another one. Yeah. The Navy has been known for probably a decade or two using dolphins to help find mines and whatnot, and they'll attach sensors to them. What's not to say that? There would be some dark project that the U.S. Department of Defense would be doing. Hey, let's uplift the dolphins and the porpoises and make them, you know, where they are as smart, if not smarter than humans. And the dolphin decides to get away. You're going to have to deal with this rogue, uplifted dolphin that would probably know military secrets and whatnot, or at least things about the military and could cause trouble, and the bureau would have to go after that. And they and they have Josie. They're dolphins and porpoises by the navy. They have probably about twenty years now. I, I believe there was something they were doing with orca whales, unless that was formed by the weird trades. Well, orcas—they're not all that dumb either. They're pretty smart too. So I mean, I would not see. And it's funny that we're mentioning dolphins and orcas because both of them have been uplifted in the FTL twenty-four forty-eight game. Those are characters you can play. Technically, killer whales are just large dolphins. <laughs> but also, you know, let's say mythological creatures, you know, things like mer people or what uh, or other things you might want to put down there. You know, they you know they find a ship, you know, that's been uh, and they find artifacts in. They're interesting. You know, there might be you know uh, statuary, there might be cold coins or anything else. There could be nets, things that are interesting. They've fallen basically literally from the sky into the water. And you know, it'd be some place where you you might find it more interesting than just swimming around eating other fish. So that's why you know it's uh, so you might find all all kinds of mythological creatures having decided, hey, let's set up camp here because you know it's a defendable spot. It's got interesting things. Um, you know, maybe it's close to something that uh, is of interest to them. Uh, it just yeah. You know, I, I every time I think about a a, a submerged ship. I think about this thing that's down there and 
it's going to draw things from all directions. It's going to draw fish, small fish, because it's, you know, they'll swim in and out of it. That's going to draw bigger fish. That's going to draw in other creatures that feed off the bigger fish or that are curious about, you know, these people that live on the surface. You know, what is, what is this? Well, you know, you know what? What are these things that look? You know, that they go. There's a little thing that goes back and forth, and it makes a really weird sound. It's a bell, but they don't know what a bell is because they, you know, they've never seen one before. You know, whatever it might. I mean, this that ships are full of stuff that would be that that underwater dwellers, I think, would be very curious about. Yeah. And also, you were talking about shipwrecks. I realized shipwrecks don't always have to be boats. They also can be, if technically, crashed airplanes or crash saucers so you know that that's another possibility you know it falls into that uh intelligent uh, uplifted animals oh well, yeah the uplifted animals not from earth well there's actually even more than that i mean you know we're not i didn't really talk about it but there is hundreds of places that used to be on the surface we'll talk about it a little bit later they used to be uh, uh, underwater civilizations and such there were places that were on the surface that sunk and so you can actually go down and find entire cities laid out on the ocean floor, you know, just like, you know, well, with silting and all that stuff going on. And you're like, and, and so you, uh, uh, an uplifted creature or an intelligent uh, uh, underwater creature might very well move in. It's, you know, the, all the architecture has already been done. You know, yeah. just move into it or, you know, or, and they could have added to it their own special touch, build on the, uh, you know, on the basis, you know, because you've got all these nice foundations built already. And, uh, you know, who knows uh, what other materials might be available. And, and don't forget all the flooded uh, towns. that They were flooded for, you know, dams and reservoirs. That's another great place for people to step shop, especially the ghosts. So we're going back to ghosts again. You know, so and uh, and of course you're talking about sunken cities. Miami's sl- slowly becoming one right now, uh, thanks to global warming. <laughs> you know, eventually, it will it will be a uh, a place for for sea creatures. I'm also thinking about mythological creatures. I decided to look up some. I mean, there's plenty of Japanese ones that will be on the east coast. I mean, west coast of of America that sort of moved over, like the Sojo, which is a uh, it's sort of like a, it looks like it looks a bit like a selkie. Uh, but it's, it's it's more playful and not as dangerous. And, and one of the great things about uh, shipwrecks is that it's a focus point for your adventure. It gives the player something to go and investigate. You know, if you say something like, well, there's some threat in this area under the ocean and it's like 200 square miles, then they're going to be like, okay, we go to this quadrant. Do we find anything? Okay, we go to this quadrant. If you say, oh, there's a shipwreck on the floor, immediately everybody's attention goes to that and you can focus your adventures and really start ramping up the, hopefully ramping up the uh, the interest and the uh, and, and the tension because it's something, something could be there. Something, and frankly, something should be there. I mean, a wise GM says it's a two or square mile area. After three days, you f- you get a ping. You know, don't don't make them play it out because they'll be bored. One of the things that could be down there with that ship, as as we mentioned a little bit, is treasure. There's a lot of creatures that love treasure, and it's going to draw them to where the treasure is. Things like aquatic di- uh, aquatic dragons. Uh, certainly, uh, any kind of uh, 
under uh, if mer folk uh, are like us that we they love the go- the gold glittery stuff then they're going to come over there and i did have one really kind of strange idea which we had to do with leprechauns uh, you know that in, in the bureau 13 it talks about how leprechauns came over from the old country well you know you come to america and people are always trying to steal your gold where's a safe place to put your gold that you could keep an eye on, but people don't realize that it's there. Under the sea. In a shipwreck. You know, where if you see where the shipwreck is, you can put it there, and then you can very discreetly patrol the area. And, and of course, seeing a, um, uh, because it's the ocean and, and, and because the interaction of the water and, and the air and the sunlight, seeing uh, rainbows over the ocean is very common. And so you can hide the fact that, you know, that there's a there's a pot of gold under those some of those rainbows. Yeah, you try and find the end of the rainbow and there's nothing there but water. It's like, just keep going down then. And sometimes there <laughs> is. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the, the, the leprechaun want to keep their gold safe. So keeping it under a couple fathoms of uh, uh, I don't know how susceptible leprechauns are to you know issues of going under the water, but keeping it under a number of fathoms of of water is a good way of keeping it safe, especially through most of history. I mean, it's only you know only recently have we had the ability to go down to any real depth uh, on anything less than a scientific and in, uh, in, in endeavor or in a military vessel who's not interested in uh, checking out uh, things like you know shipwrecks on the bottom of the ocean. We talked about ghosts, but there's also the possibility of zombies. <laughs> if you've read the novelization of World, uh, World War Z, uh, yeah. one of the segments talks about this guy who's an underwater sal- uh, he's an underwater construction guy, salvage. I don't know what, it's, what the term is. He goes down and he works underwater in a pressure suit. And he talked about how there were like just herds, just hordes of zombies down there. But because he was in this really, really strong suit, they couldn't actually hurt him. But he had to deal with the fact he was down there with that. So, you know, it's uh, zombies might, you know, be attracted to underwater wrecks, just like they seem to be attracted to urban malls. <laughs> Who knows? Okay, I mean, you know, there. Uh, I had actually a um, an adventure where a carcist uh, created a whole bunch of zombies and literally sent them across the bottom of the ocean, you know, from uh, Europe over to America to wreak havoc on it. And though they got rid of some of them, who said, who's to say that some of them didn't end up, you know, uh, stopping along the way, you know, at a shipwreck or two, or in a grotto, or anywhere, someplace that there's a bunch of them collected. And uh, but of course, by having a shipwreck, you're giving the players something to focus on, because yeah. they're not necessarily uh, going to know that there's a supernatural creature, you know, down on this spot because zombies. You know, they can blend into the sand pretty well because they're just kind of pale flesh. Yeah. Now, I, I know there's some folks out there going to say, but wait a second. Uh, they'll rot faster underwater. Well, no, more likely the fish will eat them alive. But then the fish turn to zombies. Or the fish don't like the taste of zombies. It's very possible of that. And uh, if, you, if you follow up the idea that water under the ocean is very cold... 
then you know you may not have bacterial growth issues that that usually is the reason that most people talk about zombies not lasting very long hmm. you know and and we're talking magical zombies cuz if you're a zombie that's through disease you drown so yeah. yeah 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 if you're a raid zombie you're not making it under the ocean no we we are definitely talking about magical zombies or or you know and so therefore you know whatever the gm wants to say about those zombies is going to be true and not to be confused with pirates with a curse. That's right. That's a different different thing altogether. <laughs> That's different, all right. Yeah. That's okay. All right. We could be there. But let's let's move along to uh, to to what you were talking about, Trav. Uh, mutated creatures resulting from bioactive waste. Josie, have you seen any movies that had to do with that? No, but my immediate thought when you bring that up is, oh, great, what happened to the goldfish? <laughs> well, I've seen some poi that were pretty darn big, so, yeah. Koi? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Koi, yeah. And, and they, you know, what, they give them some teeth. My experience with fish is they're always hungry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You so if you make them... have to feed them. Yeah. You make them more aggressive. You you mutate some of the, uh, well, you know, uh, Piranha Three. They were flying. They were like a you know a cross between piranhas and flying fish, and they were actually able to fly out of the ocean and attack people. That was a mixture of 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 both um, man meddling with what he is not meant to meddle with, and you're right, and that and the 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 piranha you know, mutating. And becoming uh, capable of flying, of uh, mutated flying piranhas. How about no? Yeah, this is where, as a bureau agent, after I get done with this assignment, I'm going. You are going to transfer me to a desert post. Yeah, Arizona, rock on. Yeah, I yeah. do not want to see anything larger than my tub <laughs> in what with water. I mean the original movie uh, Piranha. They were they were bred to survive in cold water because they are a tropical fish. So having cold water piranha, yeah, that's bad. But having cold water piranha that can fly, of course. Why am I this entire episode so far? I'm reminded of the Jeff Goldblum quote from the Jurassic movies. Scientists didn't stop to think that just because they could doesn't mean that they should. should. Yeah. It's pretty much what this entire episode so this far is. episode is. Yeah, it's, it's leading up to. Well, you know, I mean, you're, you're trying to solve a problem, right? And usually the problem is because somebody did something they shouldn't have done or something got out of hand or, oh, yeah, here. you know. No, no. It's some scientist <laughs> going... Hold my beer. I want to try something. <laughs> well, it might not be, and it might not be a scientist. It, yeah. you know, Famous classroom. What's that? What's that Thai fish that that we're having a problem with? Imagine someone you know making that one capable of walking on land. Shut up, John. <laughs> no, here's something. Here's a story idea. Um, the oh god, and what's the name of the reactor in Japan that apparently? Thank you. Yeah. There's, and they're saying there's runoff from that because there was the flooding and the reactor crapped out. Oh, great. You, you mean that? So you get all that stuff there, uh, up there in the north with the Pacific Rim, Ring of Fire, north. It'd be west, northwestern part of that. 
oh yeah, there's all sorts of stuff coming out. That could yeah. be a reason for having a modern day kaiju out there in the Pacific Ocean that the Bureau's going to have to come and deal with. Great! And not and not just the radio- radioactive pigs living there. Game designer Louis J. Porter, he posted that and he goes, do you want orcs? Because that's how you get orcs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or what, what were the ones in the, um, uh, in, 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 in the Lord of the Rings? The... Uh, what the, the ones the they, ones they used or they used goblins and they turned them into the super soldiers, the or orakai orakai yeah 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 it's like how they say it in Red Dwarf orc plus yeah <laughs> yeah and and the mutated creatures don't have to be animals they can be plants imagine seaweed that becomes carnivorous this time the sashimi eats you right well well oh, not. Right. But, it doesn't have to necessarily have to be carnivorous. Okay, we could take a a, a, a page from the, the the day of the Triffids. Okay, uh, because what they they didn't actually uh, they did use uh, got got meat from critters, but a lot of creatures, you know, are are po- uh, trees and plants are poisonous, and the idea is to kill the, the the creature that's nosing around them, and then it rots at its roots and fertilizes, yeah, and then it soaks up the nutrients from the right. The- the viscera, yeah, right. The uh, John, you probably remember this, but remember, um, you know, the uh, voice of the bottom of the sea. There was this one episode where there was this ginormous uh, seaweed monster. Yeah, so I remember that sucker. He got it somehow got into got into the uh, the 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 uh, airlock. No, somehow. no, no, no. This was like two hundred foot tall conja size. Okay. Oh. He was outside, and he was grab and he was grabbing on to the um, on the Nautilus. He was shaking it back and forth. Sea view. I'm sorry, you're right. Sea view, shaking it back and forth. Okay, and I think they had to shock it with uh, with a, a electrical discharge or something to get rid of it. But the point here is, is that you could have um, a seaweed that has grown to be hundreds of feet tall, but it's mutated so that it has a, a slight amount of contractile function, I mean, actively able to do it, much like a, um, uh, a Venus flytrap or something like yeah. that. So you have a ship or a sub that fly, goes into the area, and the thing literally just balls up around that thing. Now, when those contractile fibers uh, do this, it's not just going to wrap itself around it, it's going to pull it down. And you don't have to pull a, a vessel or even a submersible very far down before you take it out of its operational range and it breaks. Well, yeah, it's just, and also with these contractive fibers, if they're yeah. strong enough, they'll just crush the thing like, you know, they'll pop it like a grape. But you don't have to. It's just, yeah. you know, it, it can, you can let the ocean crush it for you mm. and spill out all that nice protein down around where its roots are, and it will then get fertilized as a result. And of course, all the, all the, 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 the plant, you know, the fish or whatever that live in amongst its fronds are also very happy about that too. And there yeah. could be a, pile of ships at the base of this but you come in and all you see is this big pile of of uh, vessels and and things like that and and uh, scuba gear and whatever down at the bottom uh, uh and when i say the bottom of the ocean i'm talking a couple hundred feet not talking about miles down uh there and you just see what looks to be like perfectly 
normal kelp except it's rat it's very they're very long and there's just nothing about it that looks in any way dangerous or or you know uh or threatening and so hey what's going on well let's go find out what happened to them <laughs> and somebody else joins the group yeah i'm trying to remember did we ever dump re- re- reactive waste into the sea i think we at one time we did many times yeah, so you're talking kaiju. If you remember the uh, the 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 better American Godzilla movie, um, yeah, there may be creatures that are going, "Oh, food! You give us food!" And of course, the cool thing about radiovores, which are those that live off of radiation instead of anything else, is is that they uh, regenerate very fast, and they don't require oxygen or anything else like that. So they just. Uh, uh, they they can they they can lurk around for and of course you know they're they're atomic piles so anybody who comes near them gets radiated and dies yeah. oh okay. good stuff good stuff Josie what was that you were saying the 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 whole food thing and then they come up it's like why you're why you're not supposed to feed strays because then they'll just follow you home yeah exactly. Yeah, we basically the bureau's got to stop them before they decided. You know, we we ate all the good food you gave us. Look, there's this long skinny thing with something really nice inside of it. Let's go eat that now. Oh, great! It's a metal Twinkie. Yeah, atomic submarine. Stop them before they get to a nuclear submarine because that becomes very public very quick. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- well, thanks goodness that's what you meant, John, because this isn't that kind of podcast. Hey, look, mythological creature. Yeah. <laughs> This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.